Hi guys, it's Kara, host of Everyone's Business But Mine. And let's be real, one thing that makes the show possible is by selling sponsorships to advertisers. One way you can support us in getting more sponsors is by telling us a little bit more about yourself. You can do that by filling out a quick survey at the link in the show description. Plus, your answers are anonymous. They'll help us learn what you love most about the show and how to make it even better. The questions will ask you about the things that help advertisers understand the audience. It'll only take a few minutes, and it's an easy way to help the show. So you can find the link in the show description. Thank you so much, and stay tuned for the rest of the show. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It is me, Cara Berry, reporting live from the house of Gucci. Oh, you guys, did we love that trailer? I am so excited about the House of Gucci movie, and I didn't think that I would be. I saw a bunch of pictures of it, of them filming with Adam Driver and Lady Gaga, and I was like, mm, yeah, maybe this is cool. Uh, Adam's in, you know, some creeper glasses and a chunky sweater. Maybe I'll check it out at some point. But then that trailer dropped. Oh, and unfortunately, Jared Leto's in it. But aside from that, I'm just loving the camp of it all. You guys, the Italian accents, terrible, <laughs> terrible. But Lady Gaga, this is going to be the role for her, I think. They're really touting it as this being her like breakout, breakout role. And it looks very good. I'm actually really excited to watch it. Ugh. Father, son, house of Gucci. Mm. Um, so here's the thing, you guys. I am in Georgia. I am seeing family. I'm seeing friends. I'm doing what I'm calling tour de baby in which the next week or the past week and into this week, I'm going to be seeing all the babies of all the friends that had their kids over the course of this past year that I have not met. I've seen my best friend just had a baby a couple weeks ago and I got to meet her daughter yesterday and it was just such a magical moment and I got to see 
uh, now toddler little boy that I had not seen since he was an infant. So it's just been like a very emotional and fun time for me seeing friends that, you know, have been in my life for 20 or more years at this point. And it's just been a lot of fun. So because of that, you know, a few things over here at everyone's business, but mine have fallen by the wayside. So we're not going to get a whole lot of a pop culture segment, but what we are going to get is a girl. And obviously, I mean, listen, there was a, I could add the baby onto the situation, but he's just so stupid that I just don't even want to talk about him. And like, should I talk about any man on this podcast? No, because they're all demons in their own way. But somebody came in at the last minute and really was like, hey guys, do you guys want to know how stupid I am? And that one was Matt Damon. Why? Y'all. Okay. If you haven't heard, and I'm sure you have, here's here's what happened. So Matt did uh, an interview with the Sunday Times that came out. Sunday, wouldn't you believe it? And he decides to tell this, what he believes, a delightful anecdote about um, his daughters teaching him a lesson. So, this lesson, let's preface this, is something that happened just within the past few months. So, think about this. This happened in 2021. Let's say Q1 of 2021. This is a situation that Matt says happened within his own home. So, he says... Um, that a few months ago, he decided to put the F slur away, the one against, um, the homosexuals. Uh, why did I say it like that? The one against gay people. (laughs) He says, um, that he just stopped using that word a few months ago. Grown ass man stopped using that word a few months ago, explaining that he didn't think of it much as a slur when he was growing up, adding that word that my daughter calls... Let me, let me repeat that. The word that my daughter calls the F slur for a homosexual was commonly used when I was a kid with a different application. He goes on to say that he made the joke using a word, using that word in front of one of his three daughters. Um, I believe this was a 13 year old daughter and he says she left the table and I said, come on, it's a joke. I say it in the movie stuck on you. (laughs) The 2003 movie he did with Greg Kinnear. Who the who the fuck saw that? Anyway, um, I said, come on, it's a joke. I say it in the movie Stuck on You. She went on her room, went to her room and wrote a very long, beautiful treatise on how that word is dangerous. I said, I retire the F slur. I understood. <sighs> I mean, it reads as parody. <laughs> like, a comedy writer wrote that, right? Like, this isn't... Bitch... Let me, let me look out. I just, I cannot. I am literally having a meltdown that he really thought, I mean, uh, I just can't. I just cannot with this man. He is 50, 50 years old. 50. 50 years old. And he just said he just now realized... 
who the fuck are you hanging out with? Like, I understand you're from Boston and no shade to Boston, but I think even Bostonians can agree that that probably, that word is probably not uncommon amongst certain circles in Boston and probably a word that is used more often than in other words and in other areas. But, but you are a man of the world at this point, Matt Damon. You were not some dude who uh, never, you know, who grew up in fucking, I don't know, I don't know anything about Boston, you guys, who grew up, you know, he was like a Southie or whatever, and he never, you know, he was like the, the baseball star who never left his town, and, and he's like getting drunk on a Wednesday afternoon. This is not the situation. You have been everywhere, you have so much fucking money, and for you to just act like, like how does that happen? How are you so myopic? <laughs> like, how, how do you have access to so much? And I'm sure... You were exposed in your daily life to so many people in the LGBT community and you it did not occur to you until your daughter said something earlier this year that you shouldn't just say that word? Bro, what? What? I, I can't. White men are a scourge on this. Like, what the hell? What the hell? um dog i i can't even believe it let me i let me go back to my vacation you guys what you're gonna hear after this is a recap of both real housewives of potomac and uh, love after lockup thank you guys for being patient with me i'll i'll get back to you guys next week here we go she needs to come in and correct what everybody knows I'll go ahead and jump in. They were talking about the text that Giselle and Robin sent you. We had to, you know, come to the conclusion that the choice of wording was improper. On both sides. I'm saying it was wrong to say not Karen. Grown women don't do that because she wouldn't have bought me anyway. Grown women say who's going to be invited. So I chose the invitation list. Right. Period. That's right. You didn't say don't bring Candace, don't bring Wendy. You said don't bring Karen. You brought her to the group. All right, guys. Let's talk about the latest episode of Real Houses of Potomac. Um, Good episode. Good episode. There are episodes where some people might call them boring and sometimes they are. But there are other episodes that like some people call boring that are what I would call foundation building episodes. And there might not be like a whole lot of action, but it sets us up for some drama down the line. And I would call this a a foundation building episode. A foundation building episode, you guys, on Potomac is better than most entire seasons of other Housewives franchises. So... Let's be fair to my ladies. It was still a damn good episode. So let's talk about it. Classic Kara, you guys. I thought I was just going to get in. I was going to take a little bit of notes and I would have a quick review, but I pretty much wrote down notes for every scene. So (sighs) here we go. (laughs) Um, Giselle and Robin start off the episode by having a photo shoot for their podcast artwork. I just need to know what decisions, where, 
I mean, I need to know where, what paths Giselle is taking at all times because I'm perpetually confused by her life's choices. But why is she making fuchsia her power color? Why, where did we, where did we get, where, where did we get lost along the way? Fuchsia is such an interesting color. It, oof, it's rough. It's rough for me. It's hard for me to take in. Um, between her home and the dress that she's wearing for the artwork, it's just a lot. And I'm not going to take this on. I'm, you know, I can accept Bethany with the red. I can accept a Ramona blue. I cannot accept a Giselle fuchsia. It doesn't roll off the tongue and it doesn't roll off my eyes, so to speak. I don't like it and I reject it. Okay. And that's my choice and I'm sticking to it. Um, of course, Robin's late. So Giselle speaks with Cal. You guys, I love Cal. Cal is her hairdresser. Um, I think he's such a great side character. I think he asks all the right questions. I think he asks all the right questions in such a funny way. He just seems like a naturally funny person. And he is tough but fair with with Giselle and I think that's what she needs um and it makes me like Giselle more honestly their friendship makes me like her more um she tells Cal you know she was flying from DC to Atlanta all the time but then in 2020 it was only you know going there two to three times and Cal like I said asks all the right questions and he says so how does that work Right? How do you make a relationship with Pastor Holy Horror work when you aren't really seeing each other? You know, Giselle again tries to, like she did the first episode, kind of blame or, you know, try to blame COVID and the pandemic on the issues happening in their relationship as if, girl, girl. As if we didn't see the binder heard round the world, just humiliate Giselle into silence. Something that I've never seen happen. Um, okay. I, I mean, Cal, again, was like, Giselle says, don't you think it was basically impossible for a long distance relationship to work during the pandemic? And Cal says, no, I don't. Not if the two people are communicating correctly. Oop, bloop. Boop, 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 boop. Um, she says she's not, she's gone now from being that woman who is like six feet back up. I need separation. I need distance to, I need you now to be eight minutes down the road. I want you in my face. I need a guy who's going to be around. And so Cal asks what that means for them. And Giselle says they're taking it day by day, but just say that y'all broke up. <laughs> Why are we acting like you don't have to ease us into this breakup, Giselle? We are fine with it. We're celebrating it, frankly. There's no embarrassment to me, girl. I mean, it is embarrassing that you got back with him, but the fact that y'all broke up again, great. Two claps for me. Like you being in the relationship was the L, Giselle. That was the L. I I don't care you know, we can roast her and we can make jokes, but I'm just glad that he's gone and that I don't have to look at that turtle in the face anymore. Anyway, again, Giselle, I mean, do I like Giselle? I just go back and forth in a way that I kind of do like Kyle, that I'm mostly 
um, ambivalent, but I also like they eat, they annoy me and they entertain me equally, but mostly I'm just like, Ugh, whatever. Um, I understand that they're like important to the show in their own unique ways, but like for me, Karen is the queen of Potomac and that's just how I feel. Um, with that being said, like I said, I, I like that people confuse Robin or maybe that's not fair. People often say that Robin is just backup and support and a cheerleader for Giselle and that she doesn't have anything going on and she's tired and she's sleepy and she's late and what have you. But I like Robin and I think, you know, she is a, um, Cynthia Bailey to me, you know, she, there are things going on. I, I actually think she's more compelling than Cynthia and I like Cynthia, but I, I can see why people will compare them. I think Robin is also fair towards Giselle when it comes to things like she told the truth. It wasn't like she was trying to act like she was happy about the relationship with Jamal, that she thought that it made sense in the confessional. She's like, they weren't meant for each other. This wasn't going to work. I think the pandemic just sped up an inevitability of a breakup with them. Like girl, no, that was not the right move. Um, And I kind of have to eat my words because really from now on and the rest of the episode, Robin is playing cheerleader and back up to Giselle. So they are, you know, sitting in their makeup chairs and talking and they decide they're going to, Robin suggests that they should make some time to hang out with Mia without Karen. So Giselle decides to take the wheel iPhone wheel, so to speak, and text Mia in a group text with Robin. Hey, we want to invite you. Like, we want to come to drink, invite you over to drinks. We want to get to know you without Karen. And Giselle says, I'm going to say, I'm going to put in the text without Karen. In a confessional, Giselle says that she can tell that Mia has the spirit of discernment. And why does she say that? Well, the clip that they show right after that is of Mia complimenting Giselle and saying that she thought she was like a wonderful person and the writings on the wall. We see why Giselle has any interest in Mia. It's a two pronged thing, really. One it's that she see, she wants to get back at Karen and Karen is the one who brought Mia into the group. And so if she can bring Car Mia on her side, then that's just one more F you to Karen. Two, um, Mia's just being nice to her. <laughs> and and that's attractive to Giselle. I mean, I, I can't really blame her for that. Um, but I see through it. It's completely transparent. Um, yeah, so this is literally all it's about. Screwing over Karen, stroking her own ego. Uh, then we get a clip of Ashley and Michael going out to dinner, pretending like they're the happiest couple on the planet. And when they sit down, Ashley tells Michael after he orders his trademark Corona, um, his medicine, uh, why didn't you order a cocktail? Um, pause. Why, Ashley? 
The last time we saw Michael drinking a cocktail on camera, he tried to act like Chris assaulted him and was screaming like a banshee at a party. Um, Do you really want him to have any more cocktails? I don't think we need to be encouraging any more of Michael's whimsical and silly behavior, do we? I don't even want him on my TV. And I heard he was on uh, bar- playing bartender on Watch What Happens Live. Like, yuck. Do we really want Michael in charge of the drinks? Let's think about that. Okay? No. Michael shouldn't even be in charge of Michael. Right? He should really be like a ward of the state. <laughs> Where is Rosamond Pike for my care a lot when you need her? <laughs> Anyway, I just, like, can't deal with Michael and his, like, strawberry milk-looking eyes. Like, yuck. Pass. Next. Karen and Raven have a hashtag girlboss moment with each other over FaceTime. Raven is out there being a bad bitch in the corporate world in New York. And Karen's going to be the ambassador of Surrey County, her hometown. So, you know, just two queens giving it to each other in really cute hairstyles and... I don't know. Uh, It was sweet, but not necessary to me. (laughs) Anyway, speaking of girl boss, next we see Mia at the joint, which is her chiropractic center. We see her at one of her 14 locations and three on the way. If you haven't heard, three are under construction currently. Um, She's walking around the office like the Mama Morton of the chiropractic world and Uh, You know, she's like, okay, ladies, let's move these pamphlets right to the center so they're right striking to the eye. Click, click, computer. Why is there another Mia Thornton in the computer? Oh, because there's another Mia Thornton that's actually a client? Oh, well, we don't know her. Okay, you're saying that right about a client of yours who is health keeping the lights on? We don't know her. Professional right? Um, Then we have this like, girl, okay, this, can a woman balance it all scene? Because Daddy G, aka her husband Gordon, FaceTimes and her, she's supposed to take her son to some sports practice and uh, Mia asks Gordon to take him and Gordon's playing like, you know, supportive stepdaddy G. Of course I'll take him, Mia. I love it. You know I love to take him, but you know, he really wants that time with you and he, he likes that. And this is now the third time in a row that you've canceled. And, you know, I just want you to be conscious of, you know, finding a balance between your children and, and work. Okay. Thank you, Daddy G. Bye. Mia's son is a whole 13 and not to say that, um, he doesn't want to hang out with his mom, but he doesn't want to hang out with his mom that badly. (laughs) We did not see the son say, hey, mom, I miss you. Um, Hey, you know, Gordon just took the phone and was like, let's have a a lifetime special moment right now. I I thought it was a little bit contrived. And listen, we know that Mia's watched the show. We know she studied it. And we know that she came on the show with a plan. We can expect that now. Like, we're so... We can't as Housewives fans have the expectation that, I mean, it's annoying when the women come on the show and say they haven't watched a show. And it's annoying when the women come on the show and say that they've watched every episode. We have to understand that like, they're going to know what they're like at this point, a woman is coming, should be coming on the uh, platform with an agenda, like use it girl. But 
I don't need this. I don't, I just don't need these like Hallmark card moments. It's boring to me. And Mia has apparently a lot of good stuff happening or <laughs> let me, let me, I'm going to take that back. <laughs> I'm take that back. What I meant to say is that Mia has a lot of interesting backstory that we can talk about, but I also just want to get to know her and like, I just don't like care that she's the queen of chiropractors. Like great for you, girl. If you want to like slide me a 10% off coupon or whatever, like I might think about it. Um, but other than that, like, you know, I, I, we don't need to see any more scenes at the joint. Okay. Let's just have that be a one and done. Anyway, after that, Robin, Escala and Wendy do a workout class outdoors Robin says that she's gained 14 pounds and she tells the trainer that she was drinking wine at 8 o'clock in the morning. Ma'am? Babe? <laughs> oh. <laughs> so she was going to sleep at 4, waking up and, and drinking at 8. Like, yeah, girl, that's a problem. You might need to look into that, but okay. Um, They did their workout session. Wendy only managed to make two jokes about her titties freezing in the cold. So, you know, progress. Let's celebrate that. Um, Candace calls and invites the girls over to uh, her mama's house for a peace out party. I gotta say, Candace's new confessional look with that like leopard print or cheetah print dress and the blue headscarf. Ugh. Beautiful. Love it. I have to say, I love the way this episode was threaded and edited because. We see a she said, she said between uh, Robin telling the girls what happened with this text that Giselle sent and then Karen going over to Mia's house and Mia telling Karen what happened with this text message. So Giselle sends a text and we're led to believe that like everything's gonna be fine. Like maybe she said yes or whatever. No drama. But... Mia starts talking to Karen about how, like, she kind of hints that there was some issues with Robin, and Karen's confused. It was like, I thought you didn't have any issues with Robin, and Mia says, well, I didn't until the other day. So, apparently, Mia gets this text message from Giselle, hey, we want to invite you to dinner without Karen, would love to get to know you, and Mia goes all the way left, I thought. <laughs> And, um, she responds, hi, Giselle, unless you want to discuss business, there's nothing I have time to quote, talk to you about. Would you like for me to connect you with my assistant to pencil you in this week? <laughs> Excuse the fuck out of me. Um, wow, girl, Mia, Mia's doing it. She's definitely doing something. Um, we would have had problems, but I'm enjoying watching this. I'm enjoying watching this. In a confessional, Mia says that Giselle was definitely trying to tell her how to maneuver, who to hang out with, who wasn't going to be there. Um, and then she says, you know, if you don't know, I'm a boss. She knows now. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know what this has. Okay. never mind. Um, so anyway, the girls are confused about this response. And Robin was like, we were just trying to get to know her. And that was like, very rude. So then 
Robin texts back and says, I don't know where all this is coming from, girl, but we were just trying to get to know you. Like, what, what was that? <laughs> and then Mia responds back, um, at, at sign Giselle, considering my message was directed to you, forgive me if you think I'm being rude. I'm simply being direct. So Robin and Giselle at that point stopped responding. Um, and Robin says she thinks that basically Karen has led Mia to believe things about she and Giselle. And this is what, where all this is coming from. And Mia tells Karen, I would have had drinks with them had they not said without Karen. They don't need to be putting stipulations on who I, who I can and cannot bring. And I agree with her. I thought it was like so immature to say without Karen. And I think Karen later explains it very well. So we'll talk about it then. Um, the next we see Candace in the studio dropping beats, if you will. No candy there, but um, she's with, I don't know, probably some guy she found on Instagram. I don't know. I mean, like no shade, but he was fine. Drive back. Her new single is decent. I honestly, like I told Princess, I think that she definitely has the most promising career out of all the housewives. This is the only time I remember the housewives filming a studio scene, a music song recording scene where it wasn't like there was no bumbly, jokey music behind it. And like, it wasn't taken as like an LOL um, wink to the, to the audience. Like, are y'all seeing this shit? It actually like they were doing a legitimate studio session. And I truly think that Candace might do good you guys <laughs> I think I think she's got something there is it for me um I don't really love like slow R&B croony that's not really my vibe but I think she's got something there I think we could easily see uh Candace topping some sort or you know at least making the charts of some sort of like R&B adult contemporary that kind of vibe I see it you guys I genuinely see it Here's the other thing. Candace was talking about how, you know, Chris is now her husbander. And while I do have reservations about the thing, the situation, I also saw in Candace, and I can't believe I'm waxing so poetic about Candace, <laughs> the way she was speaking about Chris in this scene, about how she probably doesn't thank him or tell him that she appreciates him as much as she should because he's really been holding her down in ways. And I think... If she genuinely feels that way, like, let's be real. Candace is not going to hide how she feels for anybody. Certainly not Mr. Brown Dick, okay? Not happening. Never gonna happen. We've never seen evidence of it. If Candace really felt like, if there was any indication to her, at least, that this was a bad um, partnership in this moment, I'm not seeing it. So... While I think this is stupid and it'll probably crash and burn in their faces eventually, she seems happy now. And like, who are me to judge? If it's working, it's working, right? <laughs> then we see just such a heartwarming and like, oh, scene. You guys, if you didn't like Giselle, if you don't like Giselle, 
you have to love her daughters. I think they're just, I love them. And I don't even know what it is. I just think they're so down to earth. They read their mother to filth in a way that she clearly deserves. And I just, I'm just very, I just really like them. I find them very endearing and just sweet, smart little girls. They're not that little, but you know what I mean. (laughs) God, am I that old that I'm calling teenagers little? God help me. Um, anyway, <laughs> before, before I spiral about my age and mortality, um, they all go to the DMV because Grace is now going to try, you know, third time's a charm to get her driver's permit. Um, the girls, Angel and Adore the Twins, they're so sweet. They're being so encouraging. And it seems like they all, all the girls really get along with each other. And I I just love how much they like each other. But I also love how real their sister relationship is. Because one second they're like, yes, Grace, we're so excited about, you know, you can do it, girl. We're manifesting. We're posy vibes, sis. And as soon as Grace leaves, they're like, girl... Oh, I hope she gets it because this is going to be embarrassing if she doesn't do it. Like, can you imagine? It's going to be so humiliating. (laughs) I love it. I love it. Oh, poor Grace. We find out that she didn't get her permit this time. She, you know, missed four questions. And I just, oh, I felt so sad for her. Not only because that's such a rite of passage. And I feel like I failed my permit test the first time. So, you know, I feel you, girl. I feel you. On top of that, it's got to be really like, damn, get these freaking GoPros out of my face. (laughs) Like, imagine that. Imagine you got to walk back into your car. You know there's the three cameras right pointed in your direction. And you got to look out the window because that's the only place you can look. Oh, I felt for her, especially because Angel and Adora were like, they thought she was joking. They're like, no, come on, like, be serious. You really got it right. Like, you're just joking. Oh, (laughs) poor thing. And again, the sister moment where Angel and Adora kind of (laughs) laughing, trying to stop themselves from laughing that she didn't get it again. I just felt for her. I would have been so pissed. I would have cried so hard. Like... I'm such a sensitive bitch. I'm a, you guys, quadruple, quadruple Pisces. So I, you know, the tears come and I, I'm just a victim. I'm just addicted to them, you know? Um, I would have been like, cut the cameras dead ass. <laughs> I would have had a full meltdown moment. Like, like I would have, like, just put me in the trunk. I don't want to be in those cameras. Oh, poor thing. I hope she got it by now. Giselle was talking about how um, Pastor Holy Whore doesn't drive. Ugh. No. See? A man who you have to drive around because he just doesn't drive? No. That's a, example, evidence number um 750 is why she had not, should not have gotten back together. Anyway. Um, uh, what is her name? Candace. <laughs> Candace starts to get set up for her pajamas and Prosecco party or whatever the hell she was saying. And she says it's hard to leave the townhouse because there are just memories everywhere she looks. So we get all the highlights, all the the lovely moments of uh, Ashley or why I call her Ashley Candace um, putting her uh, engagement ring on the table and crying to Chris. Do you guys remember that moment where they got into a fight? 
because he called her a princess and that was like a trigger word for her because, <laughs> because people used to call her a spoiled princess growing up. But then we found out the real reason why she was mad was because she wanted him to hold her purse while she went to the bathroom because they were at some black tie event and he said something about calling her princess and she said something like uh called him a deadbeat dad girl that is not the comeback to you're a princess <laughs> you're giving your ring back because he called you a princess and you called him a deadbeat daddy girl <laughs> girl um and then other moments like um dorothy dr dorothy her mother saying um all you do is lick people's asses um another you know the, probably the best highlight of all which is her getting in that uh fight with ashley where ashley candace kept kicking ashley out of the house and ashley kept coming back and saying this is your mama's house don't touch your mama's table this is your mama's knife and and candace half-heartedly threw a, a butter knife at Ashley, like, honestly, if that townhouse doesn't get landmark status by 2022, like, what are we even doing here? You know, that would be a real shame for the whole country. And I'm not even kidding. Um, then Karen shows up to the party first. Candace makes everybody who arrives take a shot, a fireball before they walk through the door. Karen only takes half a shot that Candace gives her as if we didn't see her last season turn her bloodstream into 15% cinnamon, cinnamon liqueur. Um, and girl, okay. <laughs> Say what you want to. You haven't eaten dinner. Okay. Okay. Um, Robin shows up next and Karen and Robin have this passive aggressive conversation about their Karen's uh, vow renewal and Robin's uh, second wedding, repeat wedding. Um, you know, can, or Karen is like, oh, are you not having it? When are you going to have it? When are you going to wait? Oh, okay. Well, Ray and I are just going to do a, a small intimate ceremony. And, you know, like, it's just really important to us to actually do it and, you know, do it within a, a reasonable amount of time of when we said we were going to do it and not just wait forever and ever like you and uh, Juan are doing, but you know, yeah, just like an intimate gathering of our closest friends and you know, maybe at some point you and Juan will do that. And in a confessional, Karen says that she thinks that Robin's just bullshitting and that she uh, is using the pandemic as an excuse. And Robin is like, Hey girl, um, I'm not going to, uh, you know, I, I don't give a damn what Karen says. One, if she wants to have a huge super spreader event to prove to everyone that she loves Ray's penis, that's her problem. <laughs> I don't need to hear the term Ray's penis, but that was a read. And that was a good one. She got a good lick in. See, Robin's funny, y'all. She's essential. Okay, of course, Giselle shows up in a... <laughs> what was that I'm, I'm not even like I don't even want to say you know like even Versace makes mistakes that was a Versace robe even if that was a, a an actual authentic Versace robe that was Versace I don't know what they were thinking with that multicolored uh, 
mm -mm, pink, blue, green, and Versace gold link print. Oh no. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. That was a Herman Munster shoes of Versace. Mm-mm. No, man. Um, she walks in with that hideous, hideous robe and gets one look at Karen and says, oh, hey, the haters here. And Karen very rightfully says, um, in a conventional, um, everybody knows who the hater is. She just walked in in a psychedelic robe that's fake. Okay. <laughs> Somebody looked up that robe. It was $600. You'd really think that Giselle spent $600 on that ugly ass Versace robe. No, no, didn't happen. Um, Candace pretends like she forgot to text Ashley to invite her to the wedding, to the party, but I mean, let's be real. She was right. Candace was right. She was not showing up to that, my party anyway. And secondly, she's probably dilated right now. And speaking of, she actually was dilated. She said, we get um, self-shot footage of Ashley saying that her water broke and she's, you know, making breakfast for Dean in the morning uh, before she leaves for the hospital and takes Gollum with her. And yeah, that was it. Mm. Mm. Um... Back to the party, Happy and Ness walk through the door and Wendy walks after them. Um, everybody starts talking about Mia and the text message because apparently now everybody in the group knows what happened. And Karen very rightly, rightfully says, my name didn't need to be included in the text. Okay. Um, and Giselle's excuse is like, listen, we were trying to get to know Mia and not Karen, and that's why she needed to be mentioned. Like I said, you guys, earlier, let's run back that footage where we see... But, oh, pause. Did you guys notice that when Karen and Giselle had this confrontation, Karen said, oh, um, Giselle, when you sent that text message, and Giselle was very quick to say, me and Robin sent that text message, but... Roll the footage back where I don't think that was fair to Robin. Did she agree when Giselle said, oh, yeah, I'm going to say without Karen. Did she say, oh, yeah, okay, yes. But that was Giselle's idea and Giselle's the one that texted it. So even though Robin knew that she was going to text her and what she was going to text her, I don't know that this was like a specific Giselle and Robin joint. You're the one who chose to text that. Okay. That was your choice. It was your idea and it was your choice. And for as much as Robin does defend Giselle, I just thought that was a little bit of a bus thrower under moment, if that makes sense, which I know it doesn't, but okay. At that point, Mia walks through the door and like I said, Karen, again, choosing the high road, I thought and said, I think it's fair to say that there was some wrong wording on both sides, meaning Giselle and Mia both did some things that they shouldn't. Um, she did stand her ground on the fact that without Karen did not be need to be included in the text message because let's be real. Karen was not going to go to that event anyway. It didn't need to be stated. There was, <laughs> there was no, there would be no, idea in Mia's mind that she would think that somehow oh I should bring Karen along and even if Mia said to Karen hey uh Giselle and Robin invited me to drinks Karen would not have gone she would have she would you know this didn't even have to be a thing Giselle made it a thing she made it a thing 
Giselle tried to get off on a very flimsy excuse of real women um, say who is an who is and who isn't invited to a to a party and um you know Karen says yeah but you didn't say don't bring Candace don't bring Wendy and Giselle says well you're the one who brought me into the group and so that's why I had to explain that you didn't need to be invited like girl no <laughs> you just wanted to get your lick in with Karen and that's fine and I feel like Karen is taking it on the chin and I think that she's really, Giselle is really getting a pass. I think that somebody could have held her feet to the fire a little bit more, but because she did some unnecessary shit and I believe in tit for tat in some cases. I don't believe in it if you guys have made up, that's fine. But like, that truly was unnecessary. This, Karen was not ever, there was never a chance in hell that Karen was going to show up. It just, it, it didn't need to be said. And she was doing that to be shady and she was doing it to be intentional. And now she wants to feel some type of way because people caught her with her hand in the cookie jar. Saying, putting a message in it that says, um, no cookies for Karen. Right? Mia is able to admit that she went a little harsh in her text, but she also isn't going to be dictated who she can and can't hang out with. And suddenly, Escala says she can be silent no more okay she has to speak up <laughs> and she thought that that text that that Mia sent was very rude and she has to say it <laughs> I thought that was very funny um Mia basically is just like girl are you just gonna be playing um Robin part two back up against Giselle like nobody's trying to hear that but then Mia asks Escala, how many businesses do you own? And Escala says, several. <laughs> but, but then Mia tries to make it like, oh, because you own businesses, you you should know that you don't have time for to have people dictate this, that, and the third to you. And it's like, I don't, you could have just stopped it at the texts were too harsh, but I'm not going to, you aren't going to tell me who I can and can't hang out with. We we didn't have to turn this into a business thing and it didn't make sense. And Robin's like, what the fuck does this have to do with businesses? <laughs> uh, the women almost start getting into it again. And, um, you know, Wendy says we don't need to be talking to each other like that. And Candace, you know, uses her mama's stool to get up on her mama's Island and clink her mama's, a st uh, silverware against her mama's champagne flute and say to the girls, this isn't going to be solved today. I'm trying to have fun at this party. Um, y'all can, there are individual conversations that need to be had and y'all can have them not at my mama's house. Thank you. Can you, can we play some Prosecco Pong now? Um, speak, speaking of, listen, Candace can't host any more events. Okay. She just, the, the spirit of Ina the spirit of Martha Stewart, the spirit of B. Smith is just, it's not within her. Not even the spirit of Rachel Ray, not even the spirit of the pioneer woman or, um, you know, the lady that made, that white lady that made the Kwanzaa cake. Not even that. The parties that we've seen of Candace lately, her, um, this Prosecco party where she tries to make everybody play, play a uh, beer pong with the, the champagne and nobody can play it. Um, she tries to make everybody do a conga line from the kitchen to the living room as if this is going to be some great moment. 
Um, can we talk about that denim and diamonds party where she had the cash bar last season for her anniversary? No, no, never again, never again. Somebody else needs to take the wheel. And honestly, it shouldn't be Giselle and it can't be Robin because she shows up late and it's just going to have to be Karen or Wendy. And, you know, like we, Wendy got a bunch of titties for her titty party. I don't know. Whew. Why can't anybody plan a party? Katie Rost. Can we get Katie Rost back in the building, please? Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. As we all know... When it comes to everyone's business, I like to mention it all, but when it comes to mine, I like to keep things a little bit closer to the chest. But that method doesn't always work when it comes to your mental health, and we all need a way to purge and get it out. Therapy is a safe space to do that and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down by learning positive coping skills and all the tools you need to help you be the best version of yourself. BetterHelp is entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. So you can just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash everyone's business today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash everyone's business. Remember, remember when Katie threw that iconic party on her um, property and it was like a, like a country theme party where, where Candace, where Monique told Candace that she would drag her pregnant at all. And and then Katie toasted to the bucolic beauty of her property <laughs> in that dusty wig. I miss Katie. I really miss her. <laughs> anyway, um... Did y'all notice that Wendy put gummy worms in her champagne? Yuck. Like the sour gummies that have the sugar on the outside? Disgusting. Anyway, um, she Candace makes everybody play Never Have I Ever, and that was dry. You know, there was nothing really exciting revealed. Like, was anybody shocked that, that Mia had a threesome? No. <laughs> was anybody shocked that nobody in that cast had done Molly? No. Come on. No, nothing revealed except for we finally the mystery of um Mia's vaginal surgery has been solved finally she admits that she did the wrong wording and she did not in fact get her clit done she 
got a vaginal rejuvenation, which everybody was like, oh, okay, girl, we all know what that is. Why didn't you just say that the first time? <laughs> it, could somebody like get some sort of um, card or, oh, you know, those like medical bracelets where it says that the person has diabetes or they're, you know, prone to like fainting or like heart disease or whatever. We need to get one for Mia that says how old she is what the age difference is between she and her husband. So somebody else can do the math on that. And then um, what vaginal rejuvenation so that she never tells anybody that she had her clit worked on again. <laughs> A clitoronomy, as, as Robin put it. <laughs> anyway, um, Mia does take Giselle aside and they had, you know more of less I would say a makeup and more of a ceasefire I would say um that was basically it the episode ends with Ashley again doing self-shot footage and she's crying and she says she's crying and emotional because she has to leave Dean baby Michael for a couple days and probably more crying because she's going to be stuck with adult Michael for a couple days um uh, and also that, you know, baby Michael's not going to be the baby in the house anymore. And just things are about to change. Just a lot of changes. So, um, yeah, the episode ends with, you know, I just feel like we see Michael in black light. What do you call that? When like the light is low. What do you call that? Y'all know what I mean? Like, um, let me Google this cause now it's going to bother me. Night vision. I feel like we see Michael in night vision a lot and maybe that's, Maybe my uh, what I'm more comfortable with him in. Um, at least some this time he's doing something positive and not uh, groping somebody. Um, yeah, that was the end of the episode, y'all. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. We'll be back with a regular episode next week or next Monday. Love you. Bye. You love my son. I do love your son. You love my son a lot. Well... He is, he's a big gentleman. You, you've raised a good man. I do know um, that. I know his character is. Mm -hmm. I know that he wears his heart on his sleeve. And that's why I'm so protective over him. Because yeah. he's been through a lot. I know. Well, here's how I feel about the situation. I love the fact that you're protective over me, but I also need you to understand that I'm a grown man. This is who I chose to be with. This is the woman that I want to be your daughter-in-law one day. This is the woman I want to be the mother of your grandkids one day. So if you can't accept her, you know what that means. You can't accept me. All right, you guys, let's talk about Love After Lockup. Just another episode of mess, drama, and people trying not to have sex with other people. Um, let's talk about, ooh, who would be a good first person to talk about I guess we should just get into Courtney and Josh because there really wasn't a whole lot there Courtney goes um wedding dress shopping with her friend Audra and they sh Courtney mentions it all we don't see Josh at all and she says that things have been rocky but she doesn't really get into the details about it she tells her friend Audra that at one point a month before Josh got out of jail that he they got into a fight he flushed the ring down the toilet and 
also that Josh is just really not that motivated. That he spends all his days playing his little video games until he goes to sleep. And also, they're not fucking, you guys. She says that they've had sex a few times since he's been out, but not a lot. And he, when she does come on to him, he says he's tired. (laughs) Um, And it's, like, affecting her confidence. It's affecting... You know, she just wants to feel wanted and wants to feel loved. And she says she's determined to figure out if this is really something that Josh wants because I forgot that Josh and Courtney are only allowed to be together for another few days. And he, at that point, because he's quarantining after, you know, a a post-prison quarantine. And after that, he's got to parole out and live with his cousin Courtney says that that could be three years. So their relationship could basically be like, you know, not living together for three years. Who knows where his cousin lives and how far away that would be from Courtney. Um, This relationship is so silly. I'm thinking like when she's saying, yeah, we're not having sex. I'm feeling not wanted. Like I, I hear her and I recognize that, but I'm also like, you said you've only had sex a few times, but he's only allowed to be there for two weeks. So (laughs) maybe you're just asking for too much sex. I don't, you know, (laughs) I don't know. Maybe he is tired. Cause I kind of feel like if a couple says we have sex a few times over the course of two weeks, wouldn't that be considered pretty normal? (laughs) Right. I mean, even if he's gotten jail, got out of jail, like there's one thing about these, um, you know, the free people of the love after lockup couples is they're horny. They're extremely horny and they need sex more so this cast than ever. I mean, this is a real horny bunch. So, you know, Courtney, I just, I don't know. I just kind of feel like their relationship is really immature, which is maybe like, duh, bitch, Kara, duh, obviously, but let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on to Brittany and Ray. You guys know I don't like Brittany. There's just something about her, like her entitlement to Ray is just very weird to me because it it goes beyond this is my man. It's like the thing that we see happening over and over again on this show is that people feel like, Oh, I, our relationship was perfect when you guys were, when, you know, the, the criminal was on the inside because I had access to them. I knew where they were. I knew that they weren't doing anything really. Um, they couldn't be out hooking up with other chicks or whatever. And things are great when you, um, you know, when they're in their little playpen and you can just take them out of the box every, anytime you want. But not so much when these people realize that they're free and they are afforded the freedoms or most of the freedoms of a citizen of the United States. And things don't look as fun and we're getting a little bit, a lot, a, a little bit possessive, you know, when things are a little bit different. So... When we last saw Brittany, she was in the parking lot once again, another parking lot waiting for Ray to come out and uh, Ray's grandmother shows up. Now, Ray's grandmother is an icon. She's the moment. Um, I mean, I guess she's not that iconic since I couldn't remember her name, but I thought she was right and I was completely on her side. 
And, you know, that's iconic in itself. So Brittany is like, I need to figure out why Ray's grandma's here because I wasn't expecting, you know, I thought we were just going to have this magical moment where only me shows up to Ray and only I'm the one who gets to see him, even though we've only been in a relationship a few months and his family has been by his side his entire life. But okay, girl. So Ray's grandmother's picking up on this. She's not liking what she's seeing. She doesn't like me doesn't really care for Brittany and is keeping one eye open. Um, so Brittany goes up and they're playing so nice, nasty with each other. And I love it. This is a shit that I live for when people are just nice, nasty, and they don't want to admit that they're not here for each other. So they're like kind of polite and Brittany's kind of playing the game of respecting your elders and respecting that that's your man's grandma. But She's feeling some type of way and, you know, the grandma's just being very sweet, but she's also just being shady. She's being very, very low-key shady. Lo- just like the kind of low-key shade that only comes with age and wisdom. And I can't wait to get to that point. So Brittany and Ray's grandma hug and they're like, oh, you know, it's so nice to see you. Oh, grandma's like, yeah, I just decided to come. And in a confessional, grandma's like, yeah, I decided to come today because he's my grandson and I don't need an invitation to see him or and I don't need a reason to either. I can see my grandson at any point, any time of the day, and I will be exercising my right to do so. So then back to this conversation between Ray's grandma and Brittany. She's like, well, I guess you guys are dying to see each other, aren't you guys? Huh? Oh, that's, that's very nice. And then back in the confessional, um, Ray's grandma's like, I don't know what Ray's intentions are with Brittany. He met her on the internet. I don't know what's going on, but I'm keeping an eye on it. So at this point, Ray comes out and, you know, Ray is a very mm, low, not low key, but like subtle. He's very calm, cool. He would almost give you the impression that he's really not that into you, Brittany. Because he seemed significantly more excited to see his grandmother than her. But I digress. Um, So he hugs and kisses Brittany. Really hugs his grandma. And then he goes in the car with Brittany. Thank God. Because, Lord, who knows what would have happened if he had spoken to his grandmother for more than 30 seconds. Um, So... In another confessional, the grandma says, I'm going to keep an eye on her whether Brittany likes it or not, and I'm also going to intervene if I have to. So Brittany and Ray ride off in the sunshine to her home, and she gives him a tour and gives shows in the bedroom and everything, and then they go to the kitchen so she can make him breakfast. In her own confessional, Brittany's like, I kind of thought that this would be different. I kind of thought we couldn't, wouldn't be able to keep our hands off each other and but that's okay. New plan. I'm going to fuck him. Then I'm going to feed him. Okay. So we're going to get out the pancake mix. We're going to get the strawberries. We're going to get the eggs, the bacon, what have you. They have their little breakfast. And Ray tells us that he's feeling a little bit hesitant, that he is really attracted to Brittany. That's not the problem. He wants to have sex with her, but he hasn't had sex in three years. And at that point, the Chiron shows, you know, name, what the charges were and age and it says ray 29 and i thought well that can't be right not with that face <laughs> surely there was a typo and they meant to put 39 and not 20 29 no no 
He looks twenty nine. I I was confused about that, girls. Um, but anyway, whatever. Brittany's the one that has to fuck him. So she does. He gets the strawberries that she had cut out and was like, let's go to the bedroom, girl. And they go to the bedroom. Thank God. Maybe finally one of one of the fires of Brittany can be quelled by his penis. I hope so. Prayers up. Prayers up for all of us. All right, let's move on to Anissa and Jeff. So last we left Anissa, she was high and dry pussied because she wasn't getting laid and having her cake smashed to smithereens by Bubba Sparks, a.k.a. Jeff, because he couldn't get a day pass or whatever. I don't know. I'm grateful that they didn't have sex that time because, you know, delay. Just delay it as much as we can. Um, So she's in her car and she's saying that she got a tan. She got a spray tan or... Anissa probably still goes to the bed. The tanning bed? I I bet she does. Um, She just has like, you know, tanning bed energy. And that's no shade to anybody who does it. But, you know, I call him like I see him. So she's in her car talking about how she got a tan because she wants to make sure that Jeff is impressed with her. And that it hides her flaws. And this is a moment where I just want to take Anissa by her, you know, marbled stained hands and tell her, you're better than this girl. You are like a pretty attractive 51-year-old lady. Um, Jeff, even though he is 10 years younger, is no no more of a fresh bird than you are. I mean, he has truly been rode hard and put away wet and mildewy and so just you know don't worry about that you can do better girl you can do better so she picks him up and um in a confessional jeff says or excuse me anisa says that it's been a long arduous journey and you know they've been because they've been together for 11 years and she hasn't been able to see him now time out Um, maybe it's been a long, arduous journey because for the first 10 years of the 11 years of this alleged relationship, um, you've been the one in the relationship, Anissa, not Jeff, not Jeff. Jeff just tapped in pretty late to the game, like in the fourth quarter with maybe a few seconds left with no chance of overtime. Um, so that's probably why it's been a long, arduous journey because, you know, the first time, two times, um, he got out of jail, he did not run into the arms of the warm embrace of his girlfriend. He ran to, you know, other things, other things. We'll just put it that way. Um, also Jeff, does Jeff live at a church or something? Like, it looked like a church because there were three crosses on, on the outside of the building. But then there was a sign. And maybe this is, like, a very specific reference. But for those of you who guys who, guys who are um, proficient in all things The Shade Room, that Instagram account, what you probably have noticed is that they do like a very poor job i don't i I think the the site is run by a christian woman but that site is also very messy so when they're posting about people cursing each other out or just you know whenever a curse flies they do a very poor job of censoring the word so it'll be like 
uh, fuck censored, but only the U and the C. Like, you get... it. It's, like, almost like, why bother going through the censorship? Because we can all see the word. Like, we can guesstimate, right? So, it's kind of like that. Like, why did the editors have to blur out that he lived at the Salvation Army? Because that sign was very prominent outside of this church or whatever building. But, like, the Salvation Army sign is very recognizable. To All you had to see was the red <laughs> to know that that was what it was. I just need to know more about Jeff's living accommodations. I was very confused about that, among other things with this relationship. But, <clears throat> anyway, Bubba Sparks, Amy, a.k.a. Jeff, does show up this time, and they hug and kiss and say, I love you, blah, 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 puke, puke, puke. Um... They get in the car, and the first thing that Anissa starts talking about is their wedding <laughs> and the floral arrangements and how she wants plum-colored tulips, and Jeff's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> and in a confessional, he's like, you know, if we're having to, you know, she's more invested in this wedding than me. We'll just put it that way. Um, so what happens after? Oh, okay, so they get to the house. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Back, back, back. While they're still in the car, I forgot. Jeff tells her that he just found out that day that they have to get their marriage approved by the BOP, which I mean, I'm assuming is like the Board of Parole people. I don't know. Um, but he's like, yeah, I just found out about that. They didn't tell me that. It just sounds like, mm, okay, Jeff. That sounds like a, a real convenient narrative <laughs> to get out of talking about plum-colored tulips. Um, <clears throat> so they get back to the house, and he's so excited. And I would say Anissa's trailer is like, like it's a mix of um, whimsical uh, Hobby Lobby 50% off signs and wood paneling. That's about it. it. You know, like a like a estate sale, curtains, and things of that nature. It's it's um, hodgepodge. The word hodgepodge comes up. Um, you, you know, you just it looks a lot like Angela's house. Like I don't know why I keep comparing her to Angela and oh, what was Angela's uh, dude? Was his name also Jeff? Probably, but y'all know Angela. The, Angela was a the smoky voice, and hey, stop cheating on me, okay? That girl. <laughs> they like their lives are very parallel, very very similar. But Jeff looks around his new <clears throat> castle, and he's amazed. And he opens up that double door refrigerator, and he's like, "Oh my god, is everything here for me?" And she's like. Anything for you, baby. And it's like, okay, well, I took a peek in that while you were opening the refrigerator. And it's like two dozen eggs, a half a gallon of milk, and some frozen pizza. So have at it, sir. I I don't know what that's going to do for your digestive system. But, you know, maybe it'll get you out of another lovemaking session with Anissa. Um, Speaking of, Jeff says that despite the fact that he's been talking to and dating clear just be clear he says his relationship with anisa is talking to and dating even though he is moving into her home um did not say engaged did not say engaged 
he says that even though they're talking to and dating each other, um, he has had five girlfriends over the course of his uh, illustrious career as a an inmate. And that also, you know, he's still talking to them. And Anissa doesn't know. And she doesn't have to know. Doesn't have to know anything. <laughs> this is going to go great. So the next morning, you know, apparently trailer was a rockin' and they're post-coital and in in bliss anisa says that she's a lady and she'll never tell but of course jeff is not a gentleman and he says that there doesn't appear to be anything that anisa won't do in the bedroom so thank you great love that thank you for the visual um so she decides to make him breakfast and load him up on carbs and honestly those eggs looked very fluffy and you know, some points are being made and I saw some bacon on that and that looked like the good bacon, not the like, it, it just looked very thick and well-made. So I can't even hate. And honestly, like the toast was per- toasted to perfection. Like I didn't see any butter, you know, I, I could, I have some notes about the breakfast, but overall it looked very good. Anyway, while she's making the breakfast, Jeff decides to go out in his pajamas and, um, wouldn't you know, his phone starts beeping and apparently it's his ex, Christine. Appears to be a woman that he used to be in love with and had an actual relationship with, not like the one that he has with Anissa. But he says that he had really no intention of talking to any of his exes once he got out. But somehow, um, his girlfriend, Christine, her, excuse me, ex-girlfriend, Christine, got a hold of his phone number and reached out to him. So they've been talking. And again, he has no intention of telling Anissa. Well, they start eating breakfast. And wouldn't you know, here comes Kyle. We find out that Kyle, or rather Anissa, lives on Kyle's property. So he has a tendency to pop in every now and again, most of the time. So... Um, Anissa decides to get him a plate of breakfast. And while she's in there, Kyle and Jeff had their little conversation. So we find out that her friend Kyle is actually a former inmate himself. And he peeps game. This is like a we see each other situation. I know what's going on here. This is more than me being distrustful of you because you were an inmate. This is like, I've been on the inside. I've seen what men do. They get these tricks. They take advantage of women. And I'm going to make sure that that doesn't happen to my girl. So Kyle turns to Jeff and says, I just hope you realize how good you've got it. Because when I got out, I had nothing to good out to. But look, of all the things, all the DiGiorno pizzas you could ever think to put in your mouth. Okay? I don't know how you're going to chew them because your teeth situation looks a little precarious but that's neither here nor there um so jeff says yeah like i realized the last two times that i got out i was not in love with anisa i was in love with my addiction i was deep in it i was just looking for the next line the next puff the next shoot shot or whatever and i didn't care about her, but now things have changed. And now my, I'm focused on her and my love for her. And that's the difference said no one successfully ever. Anyway. Um, then Jeff says he turns to Kyle, even though he says in a confessional, 
I'm keeping my eye out on Kyle. Um, I don't trust him right now. Maybe we could be friends in the future, but right now I'm approaching this as a keep your friends close and keep your enemies closer situation. So why does he then turn to Kyle and say, there's something that Anissa knows, doesn't know. Something that Anissa doesn't know that I'm going to tell you and share with you. And that was her cliffhanger. And in the preview, Kyle's all up in arms and says he needs to tell Anissa. And if he doesn't, then he's going to. So more on that later. Um, let's move on to Deontay and Nicole. So it has been only a week since Nicole has been released from jail. And I feel like so much has happened to me, to even to me since then. Um, she has found yet another way to delay having sex with Deontay, which is to agree to meet his mom for dinner. But, you know, there's always a string with Nicole. And she says, if anything at all goes wrong, <laughs> any any provocation, any issue whatsoever comes up with Deontay's mom, she is never going to see her again. Nicole, you have a lot of, a lot of chest to be saying things with. Um, and not really a whole lot of chips on your own to be putting on on the table that was a really bad metaphor i the point is she's talking a lot of shit and she has nothing to to back it up with is my my real point um so they're getting ready well deontay's getting ready and cooking and preparing and nicole is busy digging in her purse to find something else for deontay to pay for so remember she said that one of the things uh, one of the obstacles getting in the way of their uh, sexual relationship was the fact that she needs new titties. So she pulls out the price list and says, Deontay, you knew that this was an issue. And frankly, I'm giving you a deal because I thought that it was going to be like 8000 at least. But it, this is only 6000 So this is pretty cheap, Deontay. And you promised. Remember, you promised. So Deontay's like, girl, girl. He tries to put up a fight, but then he's like, I did promise you, and I'll just do whatever I can to make it work. If it means that I have to work more, if it means that I don't have to pay rent, I'm going to do it. And Nicole's like, her eyes light up, and she's like, really, you would do that for me? And he's like, yeah, anything for you, baby girl. I guess we'll just be two people out on the street with your fresh titties, because that's a smart financial decision. But anyway... <clears throat> Nicole's like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to get what I want. Um, how else can I strike a chord of chaos and negativity? Oh, you know what? I think it's my ex-girlfriend's Tia's birthday. So I should call her. So while we're getting ready for your mom to come, and this should be a, a big moment for us as a couple, you know, meeting the parents and having an intimate dinner and getting to know one another and taking that next step. Uh, actually, I got to call my ex, question mark girlfriend so Deontay's like are you kidding me so she goes back to the to his bedroom he follows her and he's like you're in my house on the phone that I pay for to call your ex-girlfriend in this moment she's like shut up Deontay it's her birthday I'm gonna call her blah 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 so she kicks him out <laughs> closes the door and as she's sitting around complaining about Deontay and he can hear her very clearly talking about 
you know, he's so, he's so annoying, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to deal with this. I, you know, he can't run shit. And also at this point she is going through his stuff. So she happens to bend down towards the bed and who does she happen to find but Nicole Jr.? Well, okay. Um, so at this point, um, by the way, Nicole's having this conversation. Tia is saying, oh, I don't feel good. And she's like, oh, I don't even want to be here. Can you come pick me up? I'll come make you feel better, girl. Oh, but here's Nicole Jr. And then she starts popping off. And like I said, Deontay can hear her. <laughs> telling Tia, oh, this man is disgusting. I told him to throw this away. I can't believe this is so nasty, blah, blah, blah. So he storms back into the room and says, again, you're on a phone that I pay for talking shit about me. Nicole tries to, she hangs up the phone. She tries to then turn it around on Deontay and say that the only reason why she told Tia to come pick her up was because she found Nicole Jr. No, no. He's like, I heard everything that you said. Okay, get get the fuck out of here. If all that you're going to do out of this, if all that you're getting out of this relationship is like what I can give you, then you can get the hell out of here, basically. But we all know Deontay, please. The fact that she was holding Nicole Jr. probably turned him on, little freak. Um, So he puts up a good fight for about 15 seconds before he's like, well, what can we do to make this work? I really want to make this work. What? You have nothing to make work, Deontay. Nothing. (laughs) You're in a relationship with silicone. And by that, I mean the silicone that's about to be injected into Nicole's titties and the silicone of Nicole Jr., the woman that you're actually having sex with. So they decide to uh, make up, I guess, and they go to the kitchen and crack open an ice cold Bud Light to calm their nerves, which like that isn't even shade. It did look refreshing and I would like one right now. But at that moment, Dante, Deontay's mom rings the doorbell. And after Nicole and Deontay's mom introduce each other in a confessional, his mom says, well, Just another white blonde stripper. That's exactly Dante's type. (laughs) Okay. uh, Tell us how you really feel, mom. Tell us how you really feel. So they sit down and Nicole starts telling him, excuse me, Deontay's mom. I love Deontay. I'm not going anywhere. I understand that you might feel some type of way because of my past, but um, I, I love your son. And we have a good relationship. Deontay's mom says, you love my son? You love my son, why? (laughs) Deontay is eavesdropping on them in the uh, kitchen. Deontay's mom is not having it. She is black mama right now. Capital B, capital M. She's giving looks. She's staring at Nicole lasers focused on the bullshit and she's like i'm not even going to entertain this half of the time deontay's mom isn't even responding to nicole (laughs) and i'm living for it i'm absolutely living for it at this point deontay sits down at the table and is like mom i understand that you're protective of me but you know i'm a grown man and this is a woman that i want to be with and 
you know, I want her to be the mother of your grandkids one day. <laughs> she just box them, just box them right. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Now, then Deontay has the gall to tell his black mother, um... If you can't accept her, you know what that means. You can't accept me. And Deontay's mom's like, you're not coming at me like that. You can't tell me who to accept and who not to accept. I gotta give Nicole half a point because she didn't turn up. But also, I'm giving her a point for knowing and understanding why his mom feels the way she feels. She even says... I'm probably just another blonde girl to her. As long as you know, girl. (laughs) As long as you know. So she does try to have like a come to Jesus moment with Deontay's mom. And says, I understand where you're coming from. I understand that I think some of your hesitation may be coming from the fact of his ex-girlfriend, Chelsea. Who was also another blonde white girl. Former inmate who took things from him. And Nicole says, yeah, I have asked for him for money. I will admit that, but I'm not Chelsea. And I think I would like for us to be separate, considered differently. And I haven't asked for even half the stuff that Chelsea has. So, you know, count your blessings, I guess. Um, In a confessional, Deontay's mom says, I think Nicole only wants to be with him for uh materialistic reasons and she says she's here for the long haul but shit i would be too if i could get whatever i wanted (laughs) so then deontay decides to shift the conversation a little bit and he tells his mother that nicole is not having they, they haven't had sex why would you tell your mama that gross um But with that being said, she's like, you haven't been intimate with a man in four years and you're in a relationship with this guy and you're not being intimate with him. I understand that, uh, you know, people can have intimacy issues, but I don't think your issue is that you have intimacy issues. I think you just don't want to have sex with him. (laughs) 
Because what I know is that women love sex just as much as men. And so the math ain't mathing for me, girl. <laughs> like, you've been in a relationship with him for four years. Christ's sakes, he's got a blow-up doll to please himself. Like, ugh, why does she know that? Why does she know that about her son? <laughs> that just hit me. <laughs> that just hit me. Why did he tell his mom about Nicole Jr.? Ugh, God help us. Um, so, ugh. Jeez. I mean, that was really it. We didn't see any more of the mama. Deontay takes Nicole back to the house and and in the car ride, he says, you know, I thought things went well and I'm hoping we can move forward soon. Like maybe having you move in to my house. But in a confessional, Nicole, and I have to say that I don't disagree with her. She says she does admit that the reason why she hasn't been with Deontay is because of Deontay. It's because he's so vocal about his sex stuff. He's always bringing it up. He's constantly bringing it up and it's a turnoff to her. It doesn't make her want to do it. And I get it. Like I'm completely the same way. The more a guy like brings up sex and like tries to trick you and convince you into being physical with him, like yuck. Yuck. And we've seen him do that plenty of times. And so I get it. Like, have, like, really sit there and think. If, have you ever had good quality sex with a man who was extremely horny? And not like horny on a way where you guys are meeting on the same wavelength. Like, that's fine. If you are turned up and extra horny and he's extra horny, that's fine. But like, when y'all aren't on the same wavelength, like, that does not translate into actual quality sex. Not, not to me. Not from what I've heard. So Deontay, you know, he gets to the curb of her house and he starts to walk her because he says that he always walks her to the door and suddenly something is different. Nicole's like, oh, no, no, don't walk me to the door. The dogs are there. I think everybody's asleep. I just like, I don't want the dogs to bark. I don't want them to wake up my mom. And then that turns into a whole thing. She's yelling at me from coming in late and I just don't want to deal with it. But rather than go inside the house, she ends up going to the porch to go smoke a cigarette and she's looking at her phone. So Deontay's peeping her and he says, I've never once dropped her off without taking her to the door. She's never gone to the porch instead of going inside. Something's weird. So he drives down the street, makes a little U-turn, cuts off the lights and stalks her um wouldn't you know <laughs> minutes later uh, a car shows up right outside of nicole's door and skirt here comes deontay to be like what the fuck are you doing nicole there's a man at the driver's seat it's probably that zach guy um but that was another cliffhanger so we'll have to see what happens with them next week so with that let's end on oh stan and lisa y'all gross Stan is still being a creep because can't stop, won't stop. And he's trying to tell Lisa that, you know, you're mad at me because I kicked you out and called you a bad mother and told you to leave your family. Oh, I hear you, girl. Let's go back to my place and just cuddle. You know, if we could just cuddle away this conversation and just, you know, talk, but mostly cuddle. Just, you know, I'm just going to make you like... This is what fucks me up. Do men think that they are... How stupid do you think she is? <laughs> do you really think that she honestly is like, 
that, that you were tricking her. Like you're this is like this is Tom and Jerry or you're fucking Pepe Le Pew, which honestly, now that I'm saying it is a very accurate representation of this nasty. Um especially the hair. Uh so like do you honestly think like oh I'm just going to tell her like we're just going to take things slow and we're just going to do just like some intimate touch and and have a moment and I'm not going to have my boner on her back in about 15 seconds. Like what do they th- creep 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 what do you, do you honestly think that works? Yuck. So Lisa says, "Well, okay, we'll go back to the house and we'll cuddle." Okay. And um, I'll visit with you, but I'm not going to promise to stay. So in a confessional, Lisa says, listen, just because I'm going back with him does not mean that anything has changed. Hello. He owes me money because I had to stay in a hotel the night before. Um, Now we're in a whole different ball game. Different. Like I'm the captain now. So, um, it's also at this moment that I realized when Nicole gets up to leave the restaurant with Stan that it appears that she has, um, added on to the extensions. Now, here's, I'm going to peep you up on some game, okay? A lot of people talk about wigs, and when they talk disparagingly about wigs, they always bring up synthetic wigs. Like, oh, look at that girl, she's got a synthetic wig. I want to counter that. And I want to say that there are a three-tiered system of wigs, just generally speaking. There are probably a lot more, but for the purpose of comparing Love After Lockup wigs, like, let's just keep it short, right? So a top-tier wig would be like an, a, a real hair, you know, a, a lace front, if you will. Second, I think, would be a synthetic hair. Third is like your party city Halloween store pop-up wigs. The ones that are very shiny, that have a curl that you know is just going to tangle in about 15 seconds if you even the slightest little breeze blows through it. <laughs> like It's going to shed. It's going to be shiny. It is not even Barbie quality hair. It's like dollar store Bridget or whatever the dollar store equivalent to Barbie is, that's the kind of hair that Lisa decides to put in addition to all the other extensions in her hair. It's just that perfect Justin Timberlake ramen curl that's so shiny. Like, think Kim Zolciak season one. That's what she has decided to bolt onto the Kim Zolciak season two hair that her girlfriend put in. It's a mess. It's a lot. It's a lot to handle. (laughs) I just like, I don't know what you were thinking. I do not know what's happening. Like, do not put that even close to a heating element. Don't put a, a blow dryer, not close to one of those like grids that you, Oh no girl, like a candle, please. If, if it gets even in the vicinity of a, a Marlboro 100, that's all she wrote. Okay. So prayers up because who knows, who knows how long she's going to keep those extensions in. Um, so they get to the car and, you know, they start driving back to Stan's house and, 
Um, he's thinking like, oh, I'm so excited to go cuddle with you. And suddenly that little blue pill that, that he um, put in his throat starts to choke him because Lisa starts uh, laying down the gauntlet immediately saying, listen, I have no plans on moving back into the house for at least four to six months. So you're going to have to go ahead and um, figure out some living accommodations for me. And also you promised me $5,000 for a car. So I'm going to need that ASAP. Okay. So do you want to cut? <laughs> so, oh, wouldn't you know, he starts getting real hot under that toupee of his. And it's like, oh, well, um, you know, I just thought that, um, you know, like I can give you the money, but you know, you don't have a driver's license yet. And she's like, I'll figure that out. Don't worry about me. Just worry about getting me the car. Run me my money, Stanley. Run me my money. So Stan's like, well, I'll give you the money, but, um, you know, I guess you can go get to a car and go right back to jail since you don't have a license. Like, <laughs> he cuts so <laughs> jugular. It's like, no wonder you don't have a woman. No wonder your ass is single. No wonder you got divorced. He is so nasty. <laughs> it's so, so nasty. He cuts right to the core. So as they're bickering about how she's going to be breaking the law because she'll be driving with a new life without a license. Um, suddenly some blue and red lights start uh, flashing behind them and Stan gets pulled over. Stan apparently has a very clean record. He's only gotten a ticket once. However, Lisa, passenger, has had about 15 felonies under her belt. 13, she says, of which um, were drug-related. So she's, like, freaking out. She's like, I got PTSD from these lights. I know that if they ask me for my ID, they're going to run my ID. They're going to see all these things, all these charges, and it's going to be a whole situation. He's going to call for backup, blah, blah, blah. So she's freaking out. But he's like, don't worry about it. Of course, you know, white man to white man. He's like, oh, you know, you stop, you ran through a red light uh, uh, stop sign. Could you not do that in front of a police officer, please, sir? Please, sir, Stanley. I'm so sorry to have to pull you over. But just try to not, try not to do it next time. Go out there and be great, sir. I'm going to let you off with a warning. <laughs> Just try not to break the law right in front of the people who have to, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, prosecute you for it. So Lisa is, like, not only feeling nervous because of this whole situation, but she's also, like, Santa's not even trying to get on my wavelength and understand how much this affects me emotionally and how heightened... I'm getting about this. Like he doesn't even get it. He's only thinking about himself. And it's like, well, he is the one who got pulled over. But like, I also hear you girl, like clearly your relationship is only about him and his little shriveled up penis and not you. I get it. I get it. So everything's fine. Obviously they get home and as he's walking in the door, Stan starts talking about like, Ooh, cuddle time. Let's, let's get to cuddle. And Lisa's like, well, hold on hold on one second um she starts putting her foot down and in a confessional she's like you know he honestly thinks that he's tricking me into having sex he thinks he keeps saying cuddle but obviously i know what's going on and he thinks that he's successfully trying to get after me and get over on me and so stan starts complaining about how you know i just wanted to get home and cuddle and she puts her foot down and says, 
see, this is a part of you that I don't like. Like you make these demands and you have these expectations and, um, Stan snaps immediately. He's like, well, I'll tell you what, why don't you get your shit and go? (laughs) So then she starts talking with her hands. They're like out in the front yard or out in the porch. She starts talking with her hands and Stan acts like she's about to get physical with her, with him. And so she's like, bro, (laughs) she starts calling him delusional. And he's like, well, uh, delusional. You're the one who's about trying to get a car without a license. And she says, you just, you're the one who just got pulled over. And he's like, well, at least I got a car. (laughs) He slams the front door. So then Lisa turns to the cameras and is like, well, another day. Another, can anybody take me to the hotel, back to the hotel? (laughs) Like, damn. Um, She's like, he's acting like this. And it wasn't even like the night before where he had been drinking. Like, this is sober Stanley acting like a monster. And as she's talking to the cameras, Stan takes some piece of mail that she had gotten and a garbage bag full of her belongings. Like... (laughs) Angelina from Jersey Shore and throws it out on the porch for her. Oh, he's he's a true nightmare. She t- again turns to the uh cameras and is like, "I got to get out of here because I'm genuinely afraid that he will call the cops on me." And then she goes, "He tried to act like I was going to put my hands on him earlier." And like yeah, I did think about it for a second, but um, I'm not about to go to jail for hitting some eight sixty-five year old douchebag. <laughs> Inside, Stan is ranting and raving to the producers about how Lisa's not nice and that she's been making demands, and now yeah, he asks nothing of her. Okay, well, this is you having a full-on tantrum because you couldn't have sex with her, so and you just kicked her out of your home. Again, because you don't have any expectations of her. Now, granted, I gotta say, Lisa went a little hard, a little, uh, she took a hard pivot into Demandsville. <laughs> I think she could have maybe um, softened the blow a little bit, but uh, also, he's like a dick. So, like, ask for whatever you want. Get money, bitch. Take everything from this weirdo, okay? Um, The episode ends with Lisa walking in six inch heels down the street of his subdivision, the trash bag of her belongings saying, well, ladies, there's a free millionaire out there for you. And that's the end of love after lockup. Oh, geez. Jesus help us. (laughs) I'll be back with you guys next week for another episode. Thank you guys so much for listening. Thank you for speaking. Bye.